Welcome back to the most accurate podcast here at 444 Football. As always, I'm your host, John Daigle, ahead of the fantasy playoffs with friend in life, the man himself, who definitely doesn't have the ranking set just yet because we are waiting on a lot of injury news, John Paulson. How's it going? It's going uh, pretty well. I mean, we're in week 15. Uh, I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. I think most leagues are in the playoffs or getting very close to the playoffs. So uh, crucial time, crunch time. It's typically mandatory this time of year for every host to come on and say, wow, I'm just so surprised. It's week 15 already. Uh, allow me to tell you I'm not because it feels like week 15. We are definitely in that portion of the season where everything is touch and go. That's why we have a big show today, including tonight's Thursday night game between the Chargers and Raiders. No Keenan Allen, no Justin Herbert, the quarterback, for the rest of the year. And so we are looking at Easton Stick to Josh Palmer and Austin Eckler, while on the other side of the ball, Aiden O'Connell, Devontae Adams seems like he's going to play, and most likely Josh Jacobs is out. Let's start with the Chargers side, because at least there are only two players to trust. Well, two players that you could play anyhow between Eckler and Palmer. So without Allen and from Easton Stick, how are you ranking Palmer and his return from injured reserve? I would feel a lot more confident in Palmer if Justin Herbert were still at quarterback. Sure. We have Easton Stick uh, at quarterback. So I think he's playable. He's not um, a lock or like, you know, really confident play but i have him at 33 and half ppr as a wide receiver low end wide receiver three he's kind of in there with the you know the romeo dobbs of the world where you, know, you might get something out of him you might not uh the volume should be there uh but the, you know vegas is eighth and adjusted fantasy points allowed to receivers it's not a great matchup but it's not a terrible matchup either i just don't know who else is going to generate yardage for them other than eckler perhaps uh gerald everett um Quentin Johnston, but he's been a roller coaster all year. I mean, I, I think you you nailed it. Like Eckler, I think you can trust both as a, ru a runner because the matchup's good, and as a receiver. And then Palmer in the receiving game, maybe Gerald Everett if you're trying to stream a tight end and need a need a dart throw. And what Brandon Staley did come true, he did mix in Josh Kelly and Isaiah Spiller for carries, but the carries weren't what we were worried about for Eckler anyhow. Uh, it was the passing usage, and that didn't get taken away. So Eckler is still a low-end RB1, someone you can trust in PPR leagues because Kelly and Palmer are, or Kelly and Spiller are not taking that role at all, at least for him. On the other side yeah, of the ball... I, I, I just wanted to mention, uh, Kelly actually, I think Spiller just kind of took most of Kelly's work because Kelly ended up with three carries. Let me just look at his, his game. I mean, he's been at 6'3", six, 6'5", three, six, three, so... He was on the low end of his usual range, and I think it sort of lit a little bit of a fire under Eckler because he went for 10 for 51 in the running game, 5 for 49 as a receiver. He also played 72% of snaps, so I'm not worried about his workload. And it was a plus matchup, as we discussed last week, against the Broncos' defense. Uh, not, uh, not as easy, this one, but still one we can have confidence in Eckler for whatever that means at this stage of the season. On the other side of the ball, how are you viewing Devontae Adams in this matchup, along with Zamir White, who we are expecting to start in place of Jacobs. Uh, Adams is sort of a volume place, a volume-based play. The Chargers are 23rd and just fantasy points allowed to receivers. It's a pretty good matchup for him. You're just hoping that he can get there on his 10 or 12 targets that he uh, gets. Um, 
the, I think maybe you feel a little bit better about him because Josh Jacobs is likely to sit and maybe the Raiders are a little bit more pass friendly, pass heavy than normally they are. Uh, I feel like Zamir White is a trap. Um, I've been ranking him. I'm looking at, you know, you know, I had him at 32 and I'm like, this is high, you know, like over Singletary or Dante Foreman. I think I'd play those guys over him. Um, there is an opportunity here for a 15, 17, 18 touch type game where he does well. The matchup isn't bad against the Chargers. Uh, they're 20th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs. But I do think that he splits uh, the snaps with Amir Abdullah and Abdullah is getting most of the the passing game work and getting most of the receptions out of the backfield amongst the running backs. So I don't know, like in, in this situation where you're having a, you know, the backup being plugged in, I'd like him to be really talented. Uh, the running game be strong and a good matchup to really rank him very high. And I don't, I'm not sure about really all those factors right now. So I think he is a worthy dart throw if you need 15 touches, but uh, I'm not confident that he's going to have a breakout game. There is some respectable money coming in on the Chargers, too. And if that's the case, in any negative game script, as you alluded to, it would be Amir Abdullah. Not only did he show that last week with seven routes to White's three whenever Jacobs left, but just in general all year long. That's why I haven't had White ranked as a high contingency option because he doesn't get the passing usage. And so in any neg negative game script, that would be miserable for White's outlook. So uh, if you need to, of course, you can start him but I do not consider White to be a, just a simple plug-and-play in place of Jacobs like you. Three Saturday games for everyone listening because the NFL does not care about your family. Beginning with the Vikings at the Bengals with Nick Mullins under center and Justin Jefferson back in our lives. Let's get to your thoughts on the Vikings passing offense in this one since a lot of people will have to go to Jefferson and T.J. Hawkinson. I feel pretty good about it. Nick Mullins is probably an upgrade as far as a pure passer over Joshua Dobbs. Uh, you know, Dobbs added the running running element to, you know, from a fantasy standpoint, but I think Mullins is either as good or better. Uh, so I feel decent about Justin Jefferson. If he's able to play, it looks like he's going to play. I think the last word on that was that he might have a bruised rib or, or something. So it didn't look like it was too uh, likely to keep him out. Addison is, you know, wide receiver four for me. Hawkinson looks like a strong play against the Bengals. This is a kind of a shaky Bengals team that has played a little bit better uh, since the Burrow injury, but still giving up points and, and yardage. They're last in the league against tight ends, so Hawkinson's kind of a must-play. Uh, they're 21st in adjusted fantasy points allowed to receivers, so Jefferson looks like a you know high-end wide receiver two, low-end wide receiver one. We just don't know the rapport that he's going to have with Nick Mullins. I mean, we're hoping that everything is normal, but you know, with, if Jefferson were playing with Kirk Cousins, we'd probably have him ranked in the top three or four. So you know, having him ranked at 13, which is where I have him, I think is a reasonable ex expectation for him. The Bengals the past two weeks have stuffed running backs as well, although they still rank dead last in gains of 10-plus yards allowed to opposing running backs. So on paper, you could go either way for Ty Chandler, likely in place of Alexander Madison as an every-down back since Madison has yet to practice through Thursday. But I do want to step back and note that the two running backs they stuffed were Zach Moss and Travis Etienne, 
who, as of late anyways, Zach Moss is clearly not the same player he was the first time he took over for Jonathan Taylor. And so those are two running backs who haven't been gaining explosive runs anyways. So I still want to have a lot of faith in Ty Chandler in this spot since whenever Alexander Madison left in the second half, it was quite literally all Chandler to Kane and Wangwu, who even ran just one route in his place. Yeah, I got Chandler at uh, 24. I think he's a low-end uh, running back two this week. And you mentioned the the running backs that the, the Bengals had stuffed. They did sort of limit Travis Etienne, but he still got 45 yards rushing and a touchdown plus 34 yards receiving. So 79 total yards plus the touchdown. He ended up having a good game. So really the only data point we have to say that the, the, the Bengals are really much improved against the runners is Zach Moss. And he actually has struggled the last two weeks um, running the ball, not doing what he did earlier in the year, which has been kind of surprising because the, the Colts have had a pretty strong running game. So I think I feel pretty good about Chandler. I feel better, certainly better about him than I do Zamir White. And I know everyone wants to start Jake Browning. I, I definitely want to be behind consensus on him and uh, more down on him than the industry this week because it's a rough matchup. And at some point, whenever this magic from Browning goes away, I, I'm just not sure he scores anything at all because now we've seen in his three starts, 43% of his pass attempts have come behind the line of scrimmage, 35% of his passing yards behind the line of scrimmage as well, two of his four touchdowns. Um, he's been getting there off of screens and in terms of fantasy production, just falling forward for two one-yard touchdowns. Not as if he's adding mobility. He's just happened to have two quarterback sneaks in that territory. So against this Vikings defense that literally hasn't allowed a single quarterback to exceed 275 passing yards against them since week five, and that was Patrick Mahomes. I don't have the same amount of faith in Jake Browning as a lot of other people do. I felt better about him last week. Certainly the matchup was better. I, I, I have him ranked at 15, and he's sort of in that range with Kyler Murray in a bad matchup with the 49ers. Uh, Joe Flacco, who is throwing the ball a lot, 44, I think 45, 44 attempts in the last two games. But he's, you know, the matchup against Chicago is not ideal. They're fifth in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. Uh, I don't know where to rank Geno Smith because I don't know if he's going to play, uh, but I've got him at 18 right now. So that, that's the sort of group that he's with. I've got Lawrence and Goff and Russell Wilson and all those guys ahead of, of Browning this week. I've been having to do gymnastics in a couple leagues of quarterbacks, and that's why in the waiver column, I also rank them accordingly for everyone. I would start, like if Drew Locke starts in place of Geno Smith, which you won't know, so you won't even have to make the decision most likely, but I am trying to start either Geno or Drew Locke over Jake Browning. Um, I also think Tommy DeVito is a better start than Jake Browning this week. Because again, when this magic runs out, it is going to be very scary for Browning's points. And at least DeVito is adding quite literally the highest scramble rate of any quarterback since he started. More so than Lamar Jackson and Jalen Hurts too. I, I would trust the rushing floor much more than expecting Browning to continue this personally. For Browning though, it's still Jamar Chase, who I understand didn't get there last week, and Joe Mixon, oddly enough, who has now handled back-to-back -back season lows and his share of backfield touches, but has gotten there on touchdowns. So just the fact we can look at his touch counts the past two weeks and see that he's handled 25 and 24 touches, uh, it's enough to have a little more confidence in him, even though you have to understand that the touchdowns have certainly helped. Uh, the Vikings' rush defense has been pretty good, too. 3.62 uh, uh, yards per uh, carry allowed to running backs since week nine. 
they're only giving up a total of 100 total yards to on average since week nine to opposing backfield. So if he's splitting time with Chase Brown, I wouldn't be surprised if this is sort of a 60, 65 total yard game for Mixon. And then you're, you're really counting on those touchdowns to get you there. That's why I've got him at ranked as an RB2 instead of an RB1 this week. It's also why I mentioned Brown as a speculative pickup. Definitely someone I want to stash in the fantasy playoffs because we've now seen the juice he has. But not only do I not want to start in this game, obviously, because it's only 10 touches per game. Uh, he's basically Cincinnati Jalen Warren. But it's a tough matchup as well. So on limited touches, not out-touching Mixon, it's not a spot really where we think we can throw Brown out here and expect the same like 54-yard screen to get him there again. Uh, just a worrisome spot, honestly, overall for the Bengals offense. The holidays are right around the corner. And what better way to please your family and the crowd than with HelloFresh's 15-minute meals? With HelloFresh, you can skip that trip to the grocery store and still turn around anything from photo-worthy charcuterie boards to mouth-watering desserts with pre-portioned ingredients that travel straight from the farm to your door. I've enjoyed avoiding that hassle with HelloFresh because all you have to do is pick your favorite meals, decide on a delivery date that works, sit back, and allow the food to come to you. And right now, HelloFresh is offering free breakfast for life. That's right, free breakfast for life. Just go to HelloFresh.com slash MostAccurateFree and use the code MostAccurateFree to receive one breakfast item per box while your subscription is active. Again, that's free breakfast for life at HelloFresh.com slash MostAccurateFree using the code MostAccurateFree. It's another reason why HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit. Make Little Caesars, the official pizza sponsor of the NFL, part of your game day. And now you can score even more pizza with your pizza. It's easy. Just order online during Little Caesars Pizza Pizza pregame, one hour before and three hours after NFL kickoffs, plus all day Sunday, and become eligible for instant win prizes. And best of all, you pick the toppings you crave. I attended a live Scott Fishbowl draft over the summer and was convinced by a friend to try Little Caesars pretzel stuffed crust pizza with cheese sauce. And no hyperbole, it changed my life forever. Either way, everyone wins with Little Caesars convenient delivery or in-store pizza portal pickup. You can even pay for your pizza on the Little Caesars app and have your friends grab it on their way over to watch the game. That's how you enjoy a few slices during the tastiest hour before kickoff. Pizza, pizza. Prize Picks is North America's largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform and one of the most exciting ways to play DFS. And best of all, Prize Picks is simple. Just choose between two to six players and pick more or less than their prize pick stat projection. It's that easy. Quick withdrawals, an enormous selection of players, and you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. But it doesn't stop there. Prize picks even offers end game projections. Imagine gathering at the house, watching football with your friends, and building an entry to cheer for together with more A.J. Brown receiving yards or less Jordan Love passing yards. Now, it's possible. Just go to prizepicks.com accurate and use the promo code accurate to match your first deposit up to $100. 
Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. The second game on Saturday between the Steelers and Colts, not worrisome because we've seen the Steelers defense continue to fall apart. And it's a great bounce back spot, not only for Gardner Minshew um, and for Michael Pittman, who has become Keenan Allen before our very eyes, double digit targets in five of the last six games, eight catches and six straight as well. But a good spot for Josh Downs too, who's kind of disappeared. Like if you're in a tough spot where you need a flex option, you have all these six different guys who you're teetering between. I do like Josh Downs. Steelers are allowing the third most yards per catch from the slot. Also uh, top five and receiving or second and yards per game from the slot as well, where Josh Downs plays. So those are my favorite plays. Your thoughts on Zach Moss, who continues getting all the usage. Yeah, it means a volume-based play. Uh, and this is a pretty, I mean, it's, I wouldn't say it's a great matchup. The Steelers are middle of the road against the running backs, you know, over the last 10 weeks or so in terms of adjusted fantasy points allowed. So I've got him at seven, but the initial projections had him coming in at like two or three. And I just can't get behind the productivity of the Colts rushing game, given what they've done the last couple of weeks. But this could be, you know, they're whenever we have these types of spells for these teams, they are focusing on it and trying to improve it. And that's why we see bounce back games. I think this might be a bounce back game for Zach Moss. He's had nine carries inside the 10 yard line in place of Jonathan Taylor these past two weeks. And he just hasn't scored a touchdown at all. Uh, I know there was a clip of, one where Quentin Nelson was holding and that touchdown got called back. But again, as I keep repeating, it's cheating. That doesn't regress. So it doesn't matter. He got held and that's the only reason he scored the touchdown. But also it's the fact that he hasn't recorded a single explosive run in this time. Like Again, he's not the same player he was when he took over for Taylor. He became Bill's Zach Moss overnight. And that's not a good thing. So Yes, we are still starting him as a touch-based option, but absolutely worried about it, his, his ceiling performance in this game. On the other side of the ball, for those that are really desperate, given that the Colts' defense is also really bad, uh, we saw enough friskiness for Mitchell Trubisky that I don't mind going there either. The fact that he could continue to add his legs and the Colts' secondary in particular is soft where we're attacking with Deontay Johnson and Pat Fryermuth, I, I actually don't hate it if you're that desperate. Yeah, that's not a terrible play either. They're middle of the road against quarterbacks. Um, you know, I'm sort of like lukewarm on the the Steeler passing game in general, but I think the running game As really should has be. a really yeah the running game has a really nice matchup. The uh, the Colts are uh, 32nd just fancy points allowed to running backs, so I think Najee Harris and Jalen Warren could both get there. They're, the Colts are giving up 176 yards uh, total yards and 0.8 touchdowns on average to opposing backfield since week nine. So they've been just getting chewed up 4.57 yards per carry. Uh, so that's how I think the Steelers will try to move the ball. But, uh, you know, the quarterbacks have to play a role at some point. Mitch Trubisky, uh, decent uh, backup option for this for the Steelers. I think Deontay Johnson is a decent play. Less confident about George Pickens. And I think Fryer moves, a, you know, a reasonable tight end streamer this week. Pickens definitely droppable. Um, I know he's one of those name values that everyone holds on to, but now that it's time of the year where we have to start players or have high contingency stashes, which we saw Pickens was averaging a 28% target share without Deontay Johnson. So if you need a wide receiver stash, you can certainly do that and think that you could start him again if Deontay gets injured. But as long as Deontay's playing, you just can't possibly start George Pickens in a fantasy playoff game um, unless you're truly, truly desperate. And finally, on Saturday night, it is the Broncos at the Lions. And I know the Lions are favored by five points, 
This total is increasing a bit anyhow. I'm going to assume it's for their running backs because right now Jared Goff is not the quarterback who can beat the Broncos secondary, uh, who continues just to smash opposing defenses, Justin Herbert included, who in that first half, the Chargers didn't have a single point. Justin Herbert had a five and a half yards per attempt. They were shutting him down too. Um, and so I, I would think that their lines are going to attack this game through both Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery, who are incredible starts in this matchup. Yeah, it makes sense. The Broncos are terrible against the run. The Lions have a strong running game. I do think we we have the the home road split with with Jared Goff a bit. I think he has a better game than he's been having. But I, you know, I don't think this is going to go through the passing game by any means for the Lions. It's going to be Gibbs and, and Montgomery. It can go through the passing game for the Broncos though, because Javante Williams is getting these carries, but. Obviously, still recovering from his injury as well. You just can't run behind the Broncos offensive line, um, who's done a much better job pass blocking for Russ Wilson, um, who is adding now a little bit of a rushing floor. So Russell Wilson also, I think, is a, a viable start this week against a abysmal Lions defense. And Cortland Sutton, we know that's where the ball goes to and no one else. And then maybe if you are desperate for a tight end it seems like Greg Dolchus is going to return and play this game too and we know last time he came back from his hamstring injury Sean Payton just threw him right in and he had two targets on seven routes and then got injured again so I, I kind of think they actually throw him right back in and again it's it's an amazing spot against this Broncos defense that doesn't stop anyone yeah Wilson uh Sutton uh stacks might be good this week uh Wilson the low I have him ranked as a low end uh QB1 there's just not a whole else lot going on. I'm looking at Jerry Judy like this. Oh, maybe this is a week where you can start Jerry Judy. He's at 51 in my rankings. I just don't feel confident in some of the other guys around him that to, to tell our uh, subscribers to go out there and start him, given his lack of usage, even though this is a spot where he could have a decent game. Dolchich is an interesting play, too, if you're, especially if you're hurting a tight end there. He'll probably be, be, uh, be better than some of these options here in the tight end two ranks. Or if you're playing DFS, I'm excited about the Saturday slate. It's so ugly that we can well, maneuver a, a lot of these pieces. I was going to ask, did they uh, set this series up? Because all these teams have winning records. I didn't know that. I didn't realize that until just now. There is no way they've done anything in the schedule on purpose this year. No possible way. But it is a fun Saturday slate. I'll give them that. Sunday, however, starts with the Bucks and the Packers. One of the games on one of the few games on Sunday, actually, I have confidence in both offenses to move the ball. Uh, we saw Jordan Love suffer against the Giants on Monday night, but we've seen him elevate the Packers' offense whenever he's played against four defenses. And this is another abysmal spot because the Bucks are not only banged up, they're also now over the last month not getting a pass rush, twenty uh, sixth in pass rush over the last month as well, and so. It's just a spot where Jordan Love can bring Jaden Reed, who has a 23% target share without Christian Watson along. Romeo Dobbs, we've seen have touchdown equity. So you can play Romeo Dobbs, assuming Christian Watson, who didn't practice on Thursday, is out yet again. And then A.J. Dillon didn't practice Thursday either. I'm not sure who we're getting at running back. But your thoughts on the Packers offense? Yeah, Aaron Jones might be back. Uh, I have him in the rankings just because he felt like he was getting closer last week. And we talked about them probably not playing him against the Giants with that turf and uh, at the Meadowlands. And so I, I feel like he might play this week. I've got him at 27. I, he might be limited. It's not a good matchup against the Bucks rush defense, but they're more of a pass funnel. Uh, so I have Love at, at nine uh, amongst quarterbacks. I think he's a really strong play. Uh, you mentioned um, Reed. In the, I have him at 27. Uh, Dobbs at 36. And 
like Dontavian Wicks was a little bit of a sleeper last week. Uh, it didn't pan out. I actually tweeted out a, uh, a prop, my second one of the year, and it first one won. I was getting I was getting cocky, and the second one did not go over. Uh, so I've got him. He I think he picked up an injury too. So he's a guy to keep an eye on if he gets a full practice in. Uh, this week, then I feel a little bit more confident about him because he did he did uh, see sixty something percent of the snaps, which I think uh, you know bodes well for the future, especially against the Bucks, who are thirtieth in just the fancy points allowed to receivers. And of course, Tucker Craft had a big game. He led the the Packers in receiving against the Giants. I think he's certainly streamable again. And for the Bucks, it's very clearly just two guys between Mike Evans, who I understand one catch eight yards last week, but it was also double teamed on every single snap. Uh, so you can go right back to Mike Evans in a smash spot. And then Rashad White, who continues getting every single touch. I understand Chase Edmonds popped up for 10 last week, but that's because White also reached 27 and need a couple breathers here. So uh, those are the two guys for the Bucks. You were literally starting. Yeah, the uh, the Packers have given up, I think, the second most rushing yards uh, per game this season. Terrible uh, rush defense for the for the Packers. They do a little bit better at home, uh, but I think White's going to be a fine play. And you didn't mention Kate Otten, but I think he is streamable against the Packers. They seem to forget about tight ends uh, when they when they're trying to scheme their defenses. As someone who writes about the Rainbow Wire column every week. Uh, yeah, no one's picking up Kate on. He's there literally <laughs> every single week. If you need him, pick him up. You could drop him and no one will pick him up either way. But he's literally run the third most routes among all, all tight ends since they're by, and no one cares at all. Everyone would rather try to grab Donald Parham or some bum who's not going to do anything. So whatever. Kate on's out there. If you want him, he's there. Falcons and the Panthers. And let's start with the Falcons offense because we had a Drake London blow up game, left a little bit on the table too a 40-yard catch that got knocked out of his hands early on. But really, as I was trying to hammer home last week, we've now seen that Drake London does have a rapport where he commands targets from Desmond Ritter in particular and has now seen at least 20% of the team's targets in seven consecutive games with Ritter. Also, for the running game, it's still B. John Robinson, who has now seen touch counts of 23, 19, 21, and 15 to his last four starts for the Falcons in a great spot against this Panthers front seven. The Panthers have yielded the most rushing touchdowns, 21. They're 11th in rushing yards allowed. Uh, they're they're pretty much a run funnel, which plays right into the hands of the Falcons because that's what they want to do. So I think Bijan's a really strong start. And I agree that London is definitely playable, even though this is not the greatest matchup on paper. He does have the, the cornerbacks like from a fantasy points allowed per route covered aren't special so it's more of a volume thing that's what we have to worry about i think with atlanta is that they just don't throw the ball a whole lot but london is the alpha in this passing attack so he should see his seven to nine uh targets if you know this is the game i believe that in week one he only had one target uh and then things sort of turned around for him um but he's he's doing a lot better right now so i, I feel pretty confident in him as a wide receiver three any thoughts on the Panthers, who literally had the league's highest run play rate last week because they are trying to kill the clock to the end of the season? <laughs> uh, They're trying Chuba to get Hubbard. out of here. Chuba, Chuba Hubbard. Uh, I think he is a viable low-end uh, RB2. They, they're running in the face of bad matchups. They don't care. Uh, he's getting tons and tons of touches. Uh, and I, you know, I know... Folks probably aren't in the playoffs if they have to start Chuba Hubbard, but you never know in certain leagues. Uh, I, I think he's a volume-based play. The Falcons are sort of middle of the road against the running backs. I don't like 
starting anyone else in this entire offense. 25 and 23 carries for Hubbard the last two weeks under Thomas Brown calling plays for the Giants at the Saints. I mentioned Tommy DeVito, and it's because the Saints are technically six-point favorites on paper at home. I, I can't possibly believe that, though. Not only because the blitz is going to be coming in Derek Carr's face, but because with Tommy DeVito, again, 11% of his dropbacks he scrambled on in his starts, including 10 carries against the Packers on Monday night. Not only that, but his full weapons are now completely healthy and Wandell Robinson being pelted underneath. Jalen Hyatt, who didn't pop up in the box score, but I still trust his 25% target share he got before the bye. So, again, I, I do think Tommy DeVito is against the Saints defense, allowing a league-high 27 rushing yards to opposing quarterbacks per game. I do think Tommy DeVito is a viable streamer, and I like the Giants this week. You really you really love Tommy DeVito. I'm going to have to bump him up in I, the ranks. Uh, I, like, I like rushing quarterbacks. Yeah, he does have a nice, the nice rushing floor. I uh, hope to not be watching this game much, uh, but we'll see what happens with the Red Zone channel. Um, after the Giants, of course, beat the Packers, I don't, not, not a fan. Uh, I, Wandale was he played well. Uh, I don't know if he's getting healthier or what's if they're just incorporating more in the offense, but he seems like the most dangerous player in that passing attack. Although Jalen Hyatt had been doing better, obviously Saquon Barkley. Um, cruised over the the Packers rush defense so he's a he's a solid RB1 as well I, I do think DeVito is streamable your stat about the Saints giving up the you know a lot of rushing yardage to a running quarterback uh, that does appeal that does appeal to me the Saints I think is is tough to play in New Orleans though it seems like that Saints D does play better at home yeah and they are getting healthier uh for the Saints however I believe it's going to be Derek Carr under center. Either way, though, Chris Olave continues getting there. Didn't miss Wednesday's practice with an ankle injury, so something we just have to monitor throughout the week. Rashid Shahid came back. I would imagine he plays this game, but Olave now, a touchdown or 100 yards and five consecutive games, has really come on strong this past month of the year. I think uh, Olave is a solid start The uh, with Shahid potentially back and Taysom Hill potentially back, then the, the offense gets squeezed a little bit. And maybe that floor is a little bit lower with Olave, but the giants are 26 and just a fancy points allowed to receivers. It's a, it's a fine matchup. Shahid is like a dart throw DFS dart throw perhaps. And, you know, I don't know who would be starting him right now. Uh, first game back, but we were getting excited about him with Michael Thomas sidelined. And I think there's a lot of talent there as well. So uh, Shahid could surprise, and of course Taysom Hill comes in as a low-end tight end one uh, in his first game back. Uh, he'll see his rushing and receiving workload and maybe throw a pass or two. Absolutely starting Taysom Hill if he plays, no doubt about it. For the Texans at the Titans, we're just going to lose a lot of push. Like I even wanted to stream Will Levis initially against the Texans if C.J. Stroud was in. Just because we've now seen the Texans' secondary fall apart. Um, 8.1 yards per attempt and 19.5 fantasy points per game to quarterbacks uh, since week five. But with Davis Mills most likely in for C.J. Stroud, according to to some reports, uh, and probably without Nico Collins and Tank Dell, I just don't know what kind of push we get for Levis. So it just seems like a Derrick Henry game and Titan streaming week, to be honest. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I'm reasonably optimistic about Levis. I have him at 21. He's a streamable player, but I, you're not going to see a shootout like you might with 
Stroud at, at quarterback. Stroud is still in a concussion protocol. Davis Mills is preparing as the starter, and he's down Nico Collins and Tank Dell. So you're looking at like Noah Brown as the number one receiver. I believe Robert Woods was resting, but he's going to play. Uh, you've got Brevin Jordan at tight end. So it's just not a whole lot of offensive weapons out there. They Both teams might go run heavy and just try to win the game uh, that way. It's not pretty. And for the Titans, obviously, if, if you need a stream, Chico Conquo, you can get there. But DeAndre Hopkins, really the only player we are trusting from Will Levis. And it is a good spot. But again, with Davis Mills, the same quarterback, they did everything they could to replace last year. Uh, it's it's not not going well, if especially if Nico Collins doesn't play. Browns at Be- Bears at Browns is interesting because Yes, Joe Flacco has lit up the Rams and the Jaguars, two defenses with bad secondaries that can't get a pass rush at all. Um, And for one, the Bears are not that at all. Like the Bears literally, since they got Jalen Johnson back in week six, are allowing the fewest yards per attempt of any opposing defense. Not only that, but stuffing running backs at the league's lowest yards per carry. So the Bears defense is an elite one. But also now you have the Browns who are on their third and fourth string offensive tackles. They're just banged up in the trenches. They're missing two starting safeties as well. They're still waiting on Denzel Ward and Anthony Walker. Like we have to know their statuses by Sunday too. So it's just a really rough spot to think you're going to get like the same Joe Flacco you got the last two weeks. If you're trying to stream him, I'm worried about him. They're going to have to get the ball quickly uh, as you alluded to. And, the, the reason I'm sort of bullish on it is because they're going to have a tough, really tough time running. So they're going to have to throw and they're going to have to figure out how to protect him and, and allow him to attempt his 40 plus passes, because I don't know how they're, else they're going to move the ball. Uh, the bears did get kind of worked over a bit by Jameer Gibbs and, and uh, David Montgomery. They both had, I think over six yards per carry, but that's the only team really to have done that. And they also, did it in a loss so i don't know how effective it was for them so I, I do think it's going to be a pass heavy attack for for the uh the browns it's just a matter of whether or not they can figure out the protections enough to to give him enough time he's not gonna be able to stand back there and throw deep bombs to david and joku this week uh for the bears however any thoughts on their backfield as we saw deontay foreman return and then that led Foreman to outtouch both Khalil Herbert and Roshan Johnson 13 to 4 combined. The data we have suggests that Foreman is the clear RB1 there. Uh, I don't think he did anything to lose the job last week. So I've got him ranked as a low end running back three, just understanding that at any time they could, the winds could shift a different direction. Uh, they could go with the hot hand if he has a couple of bad carries and you know, Roshan Johnson or Kalu Herbert comes in and rips off a nine-yard run, they might just switch things. But I think right now the best bet is Foreman. Uh, and then I think, uh, obviously, DJ, DJ Moore is a must-play. I think he's has been excellent. The, the Browns are pretty good on defense in general, but they're middle of the road against receivers. So he's a, he's a must-play. The guy I'm a little bit worried about in terms of starting is Cole Komet because the Browns are number one in adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight ends. DJ Moore now 21.3 fantasy points per game with Justin Fields, single digit fantasy points without him. For the Jets at the Dolphins, another spot 
I'm really worried about. And I understand if you have Tua, if you have Tyreek Hill, who's day-to-day, Jalen Waddle, Raheem Mostert, you're starting them all. But we've seen the Dolphins play without their starting center now, who just got moved on IR for the rest of the year. Uh, Connor Williams, I believe. And um, without, without him, even going back to the Eagles game, uh, Tua was miserable because Tua's been a bad quarterback under pressure. And the Dolphins are missing their entire starting offensive line of this one. I guess the Eagles, for example, 216, a touchdown, one pick, 6.8 yards per attempt. Tua was under pressure on 46% of his dropbacks this past week as well, which is why the Dolphins offense didn't necessarily reach their ceiling in that game either. So I think it's actually going to be a lower scoring affair for the Dolphins Jets that we're not going to see the same Miami offense that we've seen in the past for sure. Yeah, and you're also looking at a really good Jets secondary that tends to stifle. I mean, we we, we saw the Dolphins kind of run roughshod over the Jets uh, through the air. Uh, both Terry Kill and uh, Jalen Waddle got there. I think they both went over 100 yards in the first matchup. I don't think we're necessarily going to see that this week. So I'm a little bit down on the passing game. Uh, Connor Williams' injury is significant. I think, um, you know, did he get did he get hurt in game, or was this, or was this uh, prior to the Monday night game? Uh, it was in game, I believe, and. Uh, you have to remember that we have the Robert Williams. We have a lot of other offensive line injuries as well. The uh, I think it's one it's one thing when you lose a player in game and how that messes up your offense, but when you have a week to uh, adjust for it and account for it, I think they'll be a little bit better and a little more sorted on that offensive line with whoever is is filling in for him. And I should know that as a fantasy progno- progno- uh, the prognosticator as the who is the backup center for the uh, for the Miami Dolphins. But um, so I, I, I'm I'm still thinking that the it'll be all right the way to the way to beat the jets typically is the running game so i think uh you know mostert and achan are, are going to be fine i think the concern i think a little bit is the is the passing game but if you have tyree kill you're starting him if you have jalen waddle you're probably starting him and those are the two main guys uh pass catchers for the, for the i think the, the moral of this week is you're going to see the projections on sleeper yahoo and whatever and i would ignore them i think even if your team looks bad I think you're live because we're going to get some low scores in fantasy this week because these offenses are in the worst possible spots, honestly, across the board. So yeah, even like, you know, we'll get to the Bills Cowboys game in a second, but I think every bad team is live this week to upset the higher seed, which is exciting. For Chiefs at Patriots, two players for the Chiefs, and that is Travis Kelsey and Rasheed Rice. Other than that, uh, I know everyone is trying to do the dance between CEH and Jarrett McKinnon. I talked about him in the waiver show. What are your thoughts on those two running backs? I think the uh, Patriots are top half of the league, top third of the league, and receiving yards allowed to running backs. They're really good against the run. Uh, so I'm, I'm concerned about Edwards Hilaire just as a pure runner, but maybe one or both of those players could get there as a receiver. Um, McKinnon, We've seen him have two touchdown upside. Uh, so I think in like, if I'm desperate for upside, uh, McKinnon is an interesting play. I've got him slightly ahead of Edward Solaire, even though Edward Solaire uh, out-touched uh, McKinnon last week. McKinnon did get the rushing touchdown and, you know, is more of a factor in the passing game. Uh, for the Patriots, it doesn't look like Armander Stevenson's going to play, so we can go back to Ezekiel Elliott who out-touched Ty Montgomery 
Kyle Montgomery, who was waived the following game. <laughs> so he's not even yeah. with the team anymore, but he outtouched him 29 to one, literally handled everything. Uh, where do you have Zeke ranked? Assuming he's once again, without Stevenson. I got him at 12. And if you thought, if, if you asked me at the beginning of the season, am I going to rank Ezekiel Elliott in the top 12 this, this year, I would be surprised, but you know, here he is, uh, Stevenson sidelined, uh, Casey's, uh, defense is not quite as good as it was, you know, a month or two ago. Uh, they're 22nd, just a fancy points allowed to running backs. And if he's going to see 25 touches, then, uh, you got, you have to rank him as high because he's probably going to get there. And the Patriots receivers, we just don't know yet. Uh, Demario Douglas return. He's still in concussion protocol, but he returned to practice on Wednesday. So it seems like he would play. And if that's the case, we expect him to lead the team in targets, whatever that means, in a much tougher spot against Kansas City's healthy defense. Uh, but if Douglas is out, we remember that Devontae Parker, who got rolled out last week, had a 37.5% target share over Juju, who then led the Patriots in targets last week against the Steelers since Parker was out. So it's literally all just wait until Sunday and figure it out then because you know what the fallout is depending who plays. And you're probably down bad if you're starting uh, Patriot pass catchers right now. Very true. Very, very true. You're not down bad if you're starting any of the Rams against the Commanders. And Stafford is nice still eighth in the league in yards per attempt. And the Commanders are continuing to generate a dead last rate of pressure ever since they traded both Montez Sweat and Chase Young. Stafford now, too, ever since he returned from his injury, we had to watch Brett Rippon for a start, only for the Rams to cut him literally the week after. And then Stafford came back, was banged up against the Seahawks, averaged five and a half yards per attempt, was terrible. And then the last three games now, at least three touchdowns in each of them, over eight yards per attempt in all three as well. He's been awesome. And now he gets the best spot possible. Matthew Stafford, I mean, just tearing up the Browns, tearing up the Ravens in, in two bad spots, and now he's at home against the Commanders. This is just so tasty. And obviously you're starting Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua. Uh, but I also think Demarcus Robinson, I have him listed as a sneaky start. If Tutu Atwell uh, is out, I believe he was concussed uh, and it was probably unlikely to play if he's not back at practice already. Uh, Demarcus Robinson in the last two weeks, five, four for 55 and a touchdown on five targets two weeks ago, and then three for 46 and a touchdown on 10 targets last week. Uh, his playing time spiked to 86% uh, due to the concussion last week. Uh, I think if he, uh, is active or if uh, Tutu Atwell is inactive then Robinson is a, a live sleeper this week. Uh, Kyron Williams also an incredible play because not only can he take the touchdown equity away from Matthew Stafford, but the Rams have run the ball at the fourth highest rate with a two score lead. We, we expect the Rams to have ever since Kyron returned. He's also out touched Royce Freeman 52 to four over his last two games. So Kyron Williams should be a, a top three back. What an amazing spot for him too. On the commander's side of the ball, it's the opposite Joe Flacco. And that Joe Flacco has been getting the volume, and so that's maybe why he gets there against the Browns, although I have my doubts. For Sam Howe, he's been getting the volume, but he's actually fallen apart the last three games. It's been bad. And the worst part is he's not really taking anyone with him. Like the receivers, Terry McLaurin last we saw, uh, ran all the routes but left us with a dud. And so technically we think since he's going to be operating from a clean pocket most likely, Howe can help us out. But – I'm very much worried about this Washington offense. From a passing standpoint, it's been pretty ugly the last two games, last three games really for Howell, but he did have 300 yards against Dallas uh, and a rushing touchdown. And then last week or 
week 13 against Miami, 127 yards, passing pretty bad, but he had two rushing touchdowns. So Howell, I think, is a fine start against the the Rams. Uh, maybe the bye week, they're able to sort some things out and get things back on track for him because he was playing quite well from week, I don't know, week uh, five to week 10. It's just been the last three weeks against the uh, Giants, Dallas, two teams that probably studied him and know him the best. Uh, and then, of course, Miami, which is a kind of a weird matchup, I think, for the Commanders. This might be an okay bounce-back game for Howell. I would, as we do every week, though, whether you play Howell or not, I would feel comfortable streaming the Rams defense as well in this game. For the 49ers and Cardinals, last time we saw the 49ers against the Cardinals, Christian McCaffrey had four touchdowns, and the 49ers laid it on them, which I would imagine we're in the same exact spot here as Brock Purdy is no longer game managing. He's just destroying you. Also, the Cardinals are second to last in pressure right now in the league, and Brock Purdy is leading the league in completion rate and yards per attempt from a clean pocket. So it's kind of a game where you get everyone for the 49ers involved because anyone can get there. I think you have to pretty much start everybody. I don't know yeah. a situation where you're dealing with benching Ayuk or Debo Samuel or or anything like that. This is a interesting uh, game for Debo Samuel, though. He had a goose egg against Arizona <laughs> in week four, uh, three carries for six yards, but that was so long ago relative to how he's performing fantasy-wise. He's got so many touchdowns in the last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven touchdowns in the last five games. Uh, seven catches in two of the last three games. In the game where he didn't have seven catches, he had two uh, passing or receiving touchdowns, one rushing touchdown. So he's on fire. I would definitely start him. Definitely start IU. Pretty much, very likely start George Kittle unless you have an amazing uh, tight end core. Uh, and then obviously uh, CMC's in the lineup. So Purdy is as well. He's in my top six this week. As a, I, I think the one concern is you don't get a whole lot of pushback from the Cardinals. Definitely. And how are you viewing the Cardinals with Marquise Brown and Michael Wilson returning to practice? If Wilson's back, it's going to change things a little bit. But, you know, Mark, I think Marquise Brown is the, you know, other than Trey McBride, who sees a lot of, of usage, even if it's a bad matchup against the 49ers, which it is, they're second on just the fantasy points, a lot of tight ends. I'm still starting McBride. Uh, Marquise Brown is the wide receiver 3-4 for me this week. I don't feel great about it. Um but there really isn't anyone else in this offense. Maybe James Conner at running back just due to touches. But you know, you're 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 worried about the the Cardinals moving the ball consistently on the on the 49ers defense, which is really talented. Uh, Cowboys and Bills, and I know the total says 51 points. I know the Bills are favored. I'm not buying either of it. Uh, it's not like the Bills have been a better offense under Joe Brady. They've actually slowed it down and made games a little more boring. Um, And for Josh Allen, like the Cowboys are one of two defenses playing man coverage and over 40% of their defensive snaps. Allen is 20th in both completion rate and yards per attempt against man this year. And I think it's because he doesn't have the players who can separate. Like Gabe Davis has been much better at earning targets against zone for his entire career. And now we have also James Cook, who is doing well, but it could be a situation like last week too, where James Cook was the only player doing anything for Buffalo in the first half. And then inexplicably, they just stopped using him altogether in the second half because they hate offense. So uh, it's just a weird spot for the Bills. And yes, Josh Allen has 19 carries over the last two games, but I am worried for the ceiling outcome of everyone in this one. 
I wonder what his splits are uh, in terms of running the ball when it's man versus zone, because it seems like man uh, is less uh, able to stop a running quarterback. Uh, so maybe we'll see a big rushing game out of Josh Allen. But yeah, they 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 run uh, zone at the lowest rate I think in the in the league. The Cowboys do so. Uh, this so you're you're thinking this is going to be a lower scoring game than the total? I do. I definitely do. I I don't have. I don't think the Cowboys will struggle because the Bills' defense are yet again dealing with more injuries. Like, I don't think we get Micah High. We're missing a couple other starters here as well. Um, and it's not like you're benching Stephon Diggs, Josh Allen, uh, James Cook, anyhow. But I'm definitely worried about the output for this one for sure. Because even for the Cowboys, although I think they'll move the ball, they just came off three straight home games. Now they're traveling across country for also a, a big matchup on the road in the cold. Uh, it's not as comfortable a situation as they've had the last three weeks as well. Pollard, I have at 11. Uh, CeeDee Lamb is a obviously a, a bus play. Brandon Cooks kind of came down to earth after he was on fire. I had him ranked in the top 30 last, last week, and he didn't deliver. It was actually Gallup, I think, that got, got the touchdown. Uh, but I've got him ranked as a wide receiver for uh, Ferguson as a solid start. Uh, yeah, this is an interesting game, given the, your your comments about the the total, and maybe it's not going to be as high scoring as you thought. If the, if the Cowboys do put up points, though, that's going to force the Bills' hand, and they're not going to be able to play slow. Um, but you do wonder. I mean, Josh Allen's a do it all. You're starting him, but and Diggs, you are as well. Kincaid is um, he's been dinged up. He's in a red no contact jersey. He's got a couple injuries, so that's something to keep an eye on. If he has to sit, Dawson Knox becomes a, a pretty interesting streamer. Definitely, and Kincaid did lead the Bills in routes run uh, more than any other player, Diggs included, last week before he suffered that shoulder injury. So they did go back to a higher rate of 12 personnel, but it wasn't as if Knox was out there taking away from Kincaid. So at least we can still start Kincaid if he's available in this game. And for Tony Pollard, it's not the best of matchup, but not only are we seeing the touchdown regression happen, from based on his usage, the touchdowns weren't coming along with in the first half, but now in the last three weeks, 19, 23, 23 touches. They're just giving him everything. So can certainly have confidence in him in this one as well. But as a as a fringe shootout, a shootout I actually don't believe in whatsoever, I do want to get away from Gabe Davis and Brandon Cooks, whereas last week I wanted to play them. and did play them despite the egg that Gabe Davis gave us. And Brandon Cooks, who you said has become more touchdown dependent than he was like in the middle portion of the season. They just kind of forgot how to use him, honestly. Uh, Sunday night, Ravens at Jaguars. We've now seen, without Christian Kirk the last two weeks and Trevor Lawrence on the field, Zay Jones has matched Calvin Ridley for a team-high 19 targets each. Evan Ingram also popped up last week with two touchdowns. Your thoughts on the Jaguars' passing game and this one? I have Zay Jones as a sneaky start, despite a bad matchup against uh, the Ravens, who are seventh in adjusted fantasy points allowed to receivers. He's popping in the uh, Week 15 breakout receiver model. He's number two in that. And, and I don't know if they were air yards or prayer yards last week. I knew they were chucking the ball deep to him. He has 22 targets in the last two weeks. He has the second most air yards in that span as well. So he is somebody that regression will hit at some point. And we know that he does catch touchdowns. We've seen it in the past. So I, you know, sort of bullish on him as a dart throw. Uh, Ridley's fine. Uh, you know, uh, you're probably starting him unless you have better, you know, better options. Clearly Ingram had the, you know, real good game last week. I think he's a really solid tight end one. It uh, looks like Trevor Lawrence just played through this high ankle sprain with no problems. And he was even running the ball a little bit. So, uh, you know, tough, 
tough character there, uh, Trevor Lawrence. For the Ravens, Odell Beckham isn't someone I want to get excited about. Uh, you have to break your brain to get there because now in this last five-week stretch where he's been relevant as a starter, he's still run around on less than 50% of their dropbacks, but it's what he's doing with those routes because his 33% target per route run rate is third in the league only to Tyreek Hill and Michael Pittman in that time. And now it's this Jag secondary that's allowing the fourth most points per game to opposing wide receivers. So without Mark Andrews again, it just seems like a spot where Odell Beckham is absolutely a relevant wide receiver three play. Yeah. It's funny looking at his uh, game uh, log and you see him, you know, running, you know, playing 53, 54% of the snaps and, and doing what he's done on that. But maybe that's the solution for older, really talented, older players. You just have them out there for most of the passing downs, uh, if not all of them. And then, you know, Lamar Jackson, 43 pass attempts last week, 32 the week before. They're throwing the ball a little bit more. And this is a pass funnel, as you alluded to with the Jaguars. Like they've been getting killed against the pass. So I, I think Zay Flowers is a must start. Uh, Beckham is a nice, uh, sneaky start, I think. And Isaiah likely, you know, had the breakout game last week. Uh, really nice low end tight end one streamer in this matchup against the Jaguars. And finally, on to Monday night football between the Eagles and Seahawks. And again, I don't know just yet since they don't get practice reports until Thursday, who is starting for the Seahawks between Geno Smith and Drew Locke. But either way, it's someone I want to be on if I'm waiting for it because we've now seen the Eagles secondary, including last week, allow an average of 312 yards, 2.8 touchdowns, and 27 fantasy points over their last six games to opposing quarterbacks. So even if it's Locke, who's just been a gunslinger, as he typically is, uh, lighting it up against them, it's a piece I want, including DK Metcalf. Yeah, looking at Locke's line, uh, we shouldn't be too worried about the receivers if he's the quarterback. He had 269 yards, 8.7 yards per attempt, two touchdowns. He had the two picks because you're going to get that with your Locke. But, you know, the... What you're worried about is from a receiver standpoint is the 269 and two. Uh, so Tyler Lockett, six, eight, six for 89. DK Metcalf had the touchdown, uh, five targets. So Jackson Smith and Jigba actually led the team in targets with seven. Um, and that was against San Francisco. Good, uh, good, good defense. So uh, against the <laughs> Eagles, who are really tough to run on, uh, pretty low volume against them as well. A lot of volume in the passing game. You could see if it's Lock, 40 pass attempts. And that's going to boost all these guys into starter territory, I think. Your thoughts on the Eagles offense with Dallas Goddard back on the other side. This looks like a good spot for pretty much everybody. I mean, Devonta Smith is, is, is the one guy you're like, oh, well, you know, Goddard's back. But he's been still been playing well. Uh, the for, uh, Seahawks defense has been kind of sketchy lately. I, I think you're starting everybody unless you have a better running back than maybe uh, DeAndre Swift. Uh, and then Goddard, uh, you know, first came back last week, probably should be, you know, getting more up to speed. He's, he's sort of falling into that low end tight end one territory where you're just not sure now he just hasn't been incorporated in the offense. So it's been more Devonta Smith. How quickly do they move back to their, uh, you know, the equilibrium between those three receivers with AJ Brown as the clear wide receiver one, and then either, uh, Devonta Smith and, or, uh, Dallas Goddard going off in, a, in any given week. And with that, that's the best we can do for right now, given all the injuries we're all still waiting on. 
but at least some matchup previews for everyone that we had in store. What else do you have for everyone on the site the rest of the week? Uh, Sneaky Starts was uh, posted today, so take a check, uh, look at that if you're struggling uh, for starts, and then just keep a, keep an eye on the rankings. This will be a, with all the injuries, it'll be a week where I'm you know updating probably up until kickoff uh, Sunday morning. We'll see what the weather looks like around the league. We saw it last week that the uh, weather started kicking in. We had some weather games. Uh, it's been a really quiet year for that, so stay tuned this week to see what happens. And we'll be back, as always, with DFS content Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern. Myself, T.J. Hernandez, and Pat Corain. So, until then, good luck this week. Remember, a little bit kind of what's required. See you next week.